Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help you win. It's a game of business and marketing, so you thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. Be sure to check out our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and also check us out on some of your favorite podcast networks. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Blog Talk Radio. We're on Spotify. Also be sure to check us out on Facebook and YouTube. We have a lot of great things going on. What I'd like to do today is I'd like to dive right in. We have a ton of great stuff for you here, and we have a guest that you are going to absolutely love, who's going to share so much with you about the customer experience. My advice to you is make yourself comfortable, grab a pad of paper and two pens. And I always say two pens because I know sitting in the office here, I'll have one pen in front of me and I'll be writing down an aha moment and then the pen breaks and then I need another one. Or my cat walks up, takes the pen and runs off with it. At least I have another one. Funny things happen. So always do that, and then you'll never miss a thing. Also, be sure to subscribe to us so you can get the replay of this episode and fresh content every single week. So as I said, we're going to be getting into consciously creating and elevating the customer experience, which is one of my favorite topics. I cover this extensively inside my book, Groundhog Day is an Event, Not a Business Strategy, where we cover the journey from purchaser to customer for life and unpaid salesperson. So this is very important. And so many companies need to hear this. So many entrepreneurs need to hear this. So many small businesses need to hear this. This is also important for large corporations. If you have customers, if you have people giving you money in exchange for products and services, you need to know this. To help us understand what we're going to be doing today, I have on board a gentleman named Christoph Wyman, a friend of mine here in Las Vegas. Let me tell you a little bit about him. He's a keynote speaker and America's favorite five-star customer service customer experience expert. Just to give you a little bit of background, he's the best-selling author of two outstanding books on five-star customer service and hospitality, Getting to Wow, and the Customer Experience. He's the founding president of the National Customer Service Association, known as the NCSA, Las Vegas Chapter. His company, Aspire Enterprises, is a customer service training consulting company specialized in teaching, training, and empowering companies and organizations to elevate the service they deliver their clientele. He has spoken in front of thousands of industry professionals all around the country from a variety of companies, large and small, inspiring, motivating, and empowering them to bring their customer experience to the next level of the five-star, first-class, world-class, wow customer experience. His passion is service excellence. He is highly sought after as a keynote speaker, trainer, and workshop leader, excuse me, radio and television guest, and I've seen this man speak so I can attest to it. Christoph lives right here in Las Vegas, the world's premier venue for world-class customer service experience. He has brought his five-star customer service train to internationally recognized companies such as little companies you may or may not have heard of called MGM Resorts International, Mandalay Bay Hotel and Casino, New York, New York Hotel and Casino, the Bartenders Union, and California Pizza Kitchen, just to name a few. And you know what? I think I'm just going to sign off right now and just give the entire Business Creators Radio Show to Christoph because I'm not even sure that I am eligible to be in the same room as this man. Christoph, come on in. The weather's fine. Woo-hoo! All right, Adam. Thank you for that awesome introduction. It's an absolute honor, privilege, and pleasure to join you this morning. And hello to all of your 
uh, audience out there in uh, internet radio land, podcast land. Good morning. Absolutely. So, folks, um, our listeners know that what we like to do here is sort of take a step back before we dive into the ton of information that Chris Austin they have for us today. I read off that very, very, very impressive bio, which is the work of Christoph, and we always do that. What I'd like to do now is just take a quick step back, and Christoph, just tell us a little bit about you know, your journey in your own words and what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Wow, thanks. No simple, no, <laughs> no easy task. <laughs> Jump right in. Uh, well, where did it begin, the journey? Many years ago, so I grew up in a small town. We won't go way, way back, but I grew up in a small town in the Midwest. And when I was 19 years old, I felt a calling. I uh, had nothing to do with customer service and business, but I felt a calling to go overseas and actually serve in the capacity as a volunteer mission missionary for a uh, non-denominational uh, organization. So I, at 19 years old, went to the Pacific in Asia I studied linguistics at the university in Manila in the Philippines. I had never been, I had never even uh, flown on an airplane before, but at 19, I flew international, and I spent uh, the next uh, 13 years, 11 and a half of which I was working with this uh, mission organization. We, I studied linguistics. I taught literacy to the tribal uh, people up in the mountains not teaching them right. to read and write English, but to read and write their own language. And, um, you know, it was a wonderful experience. We were involved in, you know, feeding programs and medical outreaches, et cetera. And I, at that time, uh, really thought that I was going to live the rest of my life in the Philippines. And then, as the phrase goes, life happens. So life happened. And there were certain situations that uh, ended up bringing me back to the United States. Not to say that I, I didn't stay in the Philippines for those 13 years straight, but for one of the longest stints, I actually was outside of the United States and didn't return for a six-year period. So coming back to the United States, uh, you can imagine I had what's called reverse culture shock. And with technology changing and uh, just all, all different advancements in the Western world, I kind of felt out of place. So it took me a while to really figure out where I was going, what I wanted to do. Uh, when I was in high school and junior college, I was involved in, in drama and theater and acting. And, and so I uh, found myself after a couple of years in Los Angeles, and I thought, you know what, acting. You know what, I'm going to pursue a career in acting. I'm an amazing actor. I'm a great stand-up comic. And, uh, well, you see how that worked out. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I I am not a famous actor or a famous stand-up comic. Although I did spend some time doing that, but what I found is that um, that was helping me hone and develop certain skills, which now I am able to use as a professional speaker, as a trainer, as a moderator. Um, but at that time, I thought it was going to be in the acting world, right? And at that time, I also always found myself working either in hotels or restaurants. And so slowly I began to grow a passion and understanding for service. Uh, and, and certainly, obviously, when I was in the Philippines, that was a type of service. It was a, a different type of service, but it's, all, it's, it's still under the umbrella 
of serving others. And and I truly believe that all of us have a gift. Every single one of us have been blessed, have been endowed with at least one gift that we are really great at or we have the potential, the capacity to become excellent at. And um, right. I have a little quote that I, I like to say is that um, our highest calling is to use our gifts in service to others, and the world is waiting for us to heed the call. And so here I was in Los Angeles. I started working for a gentleman that your audience, I believe, would probably maybe have heard of, a gentleman named Wolfgang Puck. And right. Wolfgang Puck is really, in my estimation, the original celebrity chef before there was such a thing. There was no Food Network. There was no, uh, you know, cooking TV shows. And I had the opportunity of working with him for three and a half years as a, they call them butlers. Whether you're a bartender, a server, a busser, they call everybody a butler. So I was a butler for Wolfgang Puck. And it was, even though I had worked with restra- in restaurants in the past, and I had worked, uh, you know, for Darden restaurants and I'd worked at the Hyatt and, uh, in Guam, and I had worked for other entities. It was really when I started working with Wolfgang Puck that it was like the, the light switch turned down. I had the aha moment, and I began to really understand what service excellence, five-star hospitality was really about. When you say Wolfgang Puck, everybody immediately, <coughs> excuse me, immediately is thinking about five-star cuisine. He, he, uh, you know, puts on the, uh, governor's ball at the Oscars every year. They're always serving all these high-end events, but it's not just the cuisine, but it's certainly the service that's on par. And so when I started, you know, observing and realizing and learning what five-star service is and how to deliver five-star service, and not to say that five-star service has to come from white tablecloths, fine dining, you know, fine china, that doesn't have to be the the situation. I believe that every entity, every business can have the capacity to deliver five-star service. And I began to realize two things. So whenever I do a training, uh, I share what I believe. So may I share with you what I believe? Please. Okay, very good. Just want to know if I still have the opening. It's all right. (laughs) Pardon me. So I believe this. I believe that every, in the restaurant business, we call them guests. But whether you call them guests, customers, clients, patrons, whatever terminology we use. My wife works in a hospital, so obviously her customers are the patients and the families. I believe that every customer deserves to receive five-star service. It shouldn't be reserved just for so-called VIPs. So that's number one, every customer. And, and in fact, let's expand the word customer to also include prospects because people engage us or come into our place of business or communicate with us, and yet they haven't really technically become a customer, but I'm going to include them in this uh, category as well. So everybody deserves to receive five-star service. Number two, I have learned, and I now have a deep conviction, that every service professional, and if you are engaging customers and selling a service or product in any way, whether it's brick and mortar or online, that every service professional, if they have two things, one, the right tools and training, and number two, the right internal components, and we'll talk about that in a moment, 
then they can consistently right. deliver five-star service. What we find a lot of times is, you know what, I'm jumping so far ahead, but there we go. So that's two things that I believe. Adam, <laughs> back to you, wow. sir. Yeah, I mean, uh, some of our guests are so awesome. All I have to do is say hi, and he's do the whole thing for me. Uh, let's uh, get into a couple <laughs> specifics here. <laughs> so one of the things, and you alluded to this just a moment ago, is, you know, you have a philosophy that every customer, however you label that person or, or identify that person, deserves five-star service. So what determines yeah. the level or quality of customer service that a company actually delivers to their clientele? What, de what determines it? Well, yeah. first of all, I, I believe that it's important that we have these foundational beliefs that we believe that the customer deserves five-star service. And we believe that tools and training and internal components are important, are vital. If not, then we're just going through the motions. And when I talk about internal components, I'm talking about things like having the right mindset, attitude, and positive energy, having a passion for what you are doing, having a servant heart. You know, it's so interesting in the service industry, oftentimes we can hear a, an employee, a service professional, complaining about the customers who are complaining. And which I think is kind of kind of ironic, right? And oftentimes you'll hear people say things like, I'm not their servant. What are they expecting from me? <laughs> and I'm not saying a person to be a servant in terms of, oh, well, as soon as that guest or customer or client snaps their fingers and they're so demanding, I come running. I'm not saying that we give up our power, but I'm saying, right. you know, John Maxwell, you know, the, the famous author, uh, guru who is – uh, the number one leadership expert, really, you know, everybody knows John Maxwell. He has a phrase yep. that says, a leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. And it's all about servant leadership, right? And I find a lot of times, you know, sometimes people maybe have a calling or they have a, a motivation to get involved in a certain industry. But then over time, maybe because they don't have outside inspiration, coming and telling them how important what they do is or how valuable what they uh, what their service is that they offer, that sometimes people get jaded. Sometimes people get to a point where now they are just now going through the motions. They're just there for the paycheck. They're just there because um, of it being a job, and they've maybe lost that spark, that passion. The other thing that I believe and uh, I've, I've really started to incorporate this, especially in writing this second book, and it's actually the first chapter. And the first chapter is called Energy and Emotion. So my, the foundational belief is this, everything is energy. And, and, and this is no longer woo-woo, foo-foo, whatever term people like to use. I mean, science has proven in the book Think and Grow Rich, the first chapter is called Thoughts Are Things, and science proves that our thoughts emit energy. Our thoughts emit energy. Our emotions emit energy. And so our energy and emotions can either have a positive or negative effect upon our clientele, our customers, um, even, even, even through the airwaves, right? I mean, you, you do a podcast. It's not broadcast on television. Am I correct? Correct. But it's only through your voice. That's not true. It's through your voice and the energy and the emotion 
and the positivity that you send out. So it's not just words, right? It's not just auditory, but it's something deeper than that. Are we going too deep? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I, 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 I get all this stuff. It's not just the words you speak, but there's also uh, tonality. There's vibe. When you're in person with somebody, there are nonverbal cues. There are a lot of different components in how you yes. actually deliver a message and you convey or experience brilliance and passion. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So what I was thinking of when you um, when you shared that about uh, what determines the level or quality of customer service inside my book, Groundhog Day is an event, not a business strategy. The R in the spring formula is about the ripple effect from team members and how to avoid it. And what I mean by that is you look at your culture and you have to view it from the perspective of the people who are working in your organization, who you expect to act as the servants to your customer. And mm-hmm. what are they experiencing? What messages are they getting? If they were to actually do something to serve a customer, would they be rewarded? Would they be supported? Or would they find out that no deed goes unpunished? Only once do you need to punish a good deed, and you'll find out very quickly what apathy is. You can undo years of building somebody up with one time you slap them down for trying to do the right thing. I I absolutely agree. In fact, so I'll give you an example, and I think this kind of goes in line with that. Very simple. Uh, After I had worked at Wolfgang Puck, I moved on to uh, other uh, geographic locations and other uh, types of restaurants, uh, mom and pop, fine dining, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I found myself at one point working at an Irish pub. Uh, old building that used to be a hat factory. It's in St. Louis. Uh, beautiful, big right. old building. Uh, but it's an Irish pub, so not super fancy, uh, but great food, great drinks, great uh, atmosphere. And because of my training and my experience with Wolfgang Puck, I made this a practice whenever, and, and they had, uh, they didn't have white tablecloths, but they did have uh, linen napkins. So whenever somebody, or cloth napkins, Whenever one would get a guest would get up to go to the restroom, I just made it a practice of going over to the table, picking up their napkin. If it was soiled, I would replace it. If it wasn't, then I would just nicely fold it in some little configuration, either put it in the t- on the table in front of them, or or on their place in front of them, or over the top the back of the chair. Just a simple yeah. touch so that they knew that I came and then tidied up their place. And at one point, my manager uh, observed me doing that, and he said, hey, come over here. Hey, Christoph, hey, listen, we ain't that kind of place. We're not that kind of place. You don't need to be doing that. And it wasn't that I was standing up in front of all my peers, the other servers, and saying, hey, we all need to be folding napkins. Like, it was just something that I do. And he said, we're not like that. And I said, well, but I am. This is the kind of service level of service that I desire to to offer to give to deliver and I agree with what you're saying you know no good deed goes unpunished and uh, you know we talk about we whatever industry we're in we always would like our employees that are front-facing to the customers to deliver an exceptional experience a five-star experience whatever word we would like them to give good service to our clientele but the question is, has, have those employees, your team members, have they themselves ever experienced what it is that you, you the owner, you the manager, are asking them to deliver themselves? So, you know, we talk about customer engagement, but what about employee engagement? 
there have been studies, and it's pretty, it's pretty, a pretty well-known fact. I mean, the statistics, the, the number kind of fluctuates, but anywhere from 55 to 80% of employees in America are stated as being disengaged. And 17% of them are what's called actively disengaged, which means that they're, they're not just showing up for work and going through the motions, but they're actually spending time, effort, and energy to figure out ways to sabotage the company or to cause problems yeah. for their peers. So if our team members are not feeling engaged, and I believe that engagement is the fault of, of two people. It's, a, it's actually there's some responsibility that lies upon the shoulders of that employee, but a large part of it has to lie on the shoulders of the leadership. And so if your team is not feeling engaged, and yet you're saying, okay, now you go out there and deliver that amazing service, What's the incentive for them? What is it? What is in it to inspire, to motivate, to congratulate, like you were saying, for them to to do anything above the bare minimum? Right. And you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be candid about something. In a job I had, I was left to feel that way. And what it came down to is, I started off as a very enthusiastic person. I was innovative. I was I was looking to move things forward. I was full of enthusiasm and ideas and things like that. But uh, how many times did I need to hear, oh, well, you're just, uh, and then fill in the blank of where I fit on the org chart. And besides, uh, <laughs> did we ask you? Now, how many times do you need to hear that before you say, you know what, I am just a blank on the org chart, and I'm going to pull out my job description. I'm going to make sure I fulfill each one of these bullet points so that I don't get too tired when I go home at night and bust out my side hustle and get the hell out of here. So, yep. It can, Absolutely. It, it, can ha- it can happen. Now, now, pa- now, I ask people when they hear that to pause and say, wait a minute, did you just admit to being a slacker? I said, no, I didn't admit to being a slacker, but I, I found out that the rules of the game were is they'd fit me in this little box, and if I stepped one inch outside the line, that all my good deeds were going to get punished. Uh, how many times do you have to put your hand on a hot stove before you realize you're going to get burned? After a while, you just don't touch the stove, but you start looking for other places to cook your meal. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, in my, if I may, may I share something? I, I uh, coined a little acronym, uh, and since we're talking yeah. about engagement, in my chapter on, in my book, The Customer Experience, the chapter on engagement, I have a little section where I talk about using the power of praise, P-R-A-I-S-E. Uh-huh. And I break it down to, number one, the P is proclaim the good publicly. So many times, you know, people are uh, rewarded, but they're rewarded uh, almost in secret, right? And and the whole point is to reward somebody's efforts, to do it in front of others so others can be inspired and motivated and encouraged to do likewise. And it builds camaraderie. It builds teamwork. It builds, you know, a symbiosis, right, symbiosis. So I say, P, proclaim the good publicly. R, reprimand in private. How many times have we been somewhere where you see an employee being scolded by a manager, and it has nothing to do with, you know, the public, right? Right. But, I mean, that that wounds the person, that, that discourages them from doing, you know. I mean, if somebody has done something wrong, incorrect, needs to be, you know, corrected, that should always, always be done in private. But right. I think a lot of times management 
in their zest and their zeal for correction and making things right and maybe making somebody a, an example, they don't realize the impact that that is making actually upon the rest of the team as well, where they may think, well, this is showing an example, but it's not really building, you know, positive energy for anybody, right? Um, and then there's AISE. You can read the rest of that in the book, but um, it's it's simple and it's easy, but I think it really takes intention and consciousness to to do these things. You know, I think a lot of times, and listen, right. Being an uh, being a manager of a company, an operations manager, uh, uh, you know, an executive, that's not a di not an easy job, right? I mean, it's a difficult task, and and not to say that um, they didn't work hard to get there and earn it and and merit being there, but I find that oftentimes leaders need to be maybe reminded of some of these things. Again, if you're expecting your team to deliver. Uh, great service, then why not start with you delivering great service to them, right? Make them feel appreciated, valued. Uh, I'll give you, if I may, I know somebody, <laughs> excuse me, who, let me see if I can remember how it, were, how it went. I know somebody who was uh, going to be awarded for their customer service excellence, and so the manager uh, gave them a package, and the package they they took home with them, and they opened it up, and inside the package was a box that had a watch, and then alongside the watch, there was uh, some note cards from the marketing company that had uh, sent this out, that they had ordered it from. And on the note cards were instructions to the leader of how they were to present this award to the recipient in public and make it an event. But rather than doing that, they just gave it to the person in a package for them to take home, for them to read. And basically it said, when you're awarding this gift, Make sure you say things like congratulations. Ask other team members um, to give some accolades. <laughs> but the point is, is there was such a huge disconnect. Here this person gets an award, but they take it home and they open it in private like, okay, that was my award. And um, that's certainly not the way that we want to be delivering, you know, great customer experience or customer engagement to our internal customers, our employees, our team members, right? Yeah, I mean, that uh, I don't know whether to call that just lazy or uh like almost actively. I mean, what have you? I mean, they were given this package to open and they didn't at least glance at the cards. I mean, I've I've heard of one case of this happening, something like this happening before. I'm an avid student of history and I'm recalling reading yeah. a book about the years leading up to World War 1 and the King of England, Edward the 7th, was having mm -hmm. a meeting with the uh, the Kaiser of the German Empire. And the foreign office had prepared for King Edward a list of talking points for his summit meeting with the Kaiser. So rather than use that as a guide for his conversation, uh, when he sat down with the Kaiser, he just said, here, here's a letter. And it was 
is foreign office coaching him on how to have the conversation. Now, uh, the Kaiser's foreign ministry uh, was diplomatic enough to actually prepare a formal response to it as if it had been a diplomatic letter. But holy hell, a, a 10-second wow. glance at the document would have shown it was an internal memo designed to be talking points. So that's what that well, reminded me of. Exactly. But the thing about it is, is that the leader actually just received it in the mail and when they ordered it, they ordered it with the name of the individual on it. So when they received the mail at the company, they just handed it to the person without even having opened it. It's it's wow. It's 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 not a good example of so the person gets a reward or an award, but no one knows about it. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, amazing, amazing. Would you like to talk about something called the emotional journey or the customer journey? Actually, I absolutely would. I was going to ask you about touch points next. So tell you what, let's flip the script a little bit because I wasn't well, going to get what? into energy and yeah, I wasn't going to get into energy, emotion, energy and emotion and the uh, emotional journey. But since we're pretty much there, let's do that and then flip back to touch points. Well, it's all connected. It's all connected. All right. So Go for it. Whenever there is an interaction between a service professional, that's, that's anybody in business. If you have a, a person in business and their customer, there's what's called, the, the customer goes on what's called an emotional journey or a customer journey. Now, that journey could take a few seconds. For, say, example, when I go to the gas station, if I choose to not use the card at the pump and I go inside, uh, 20 bucks on number seven. So yeah. how long is my interaction with that cashier, that uh, attendant? Very short, right? We're talking right. seconds, maybe a minute or two. I yep. have, have two different gas stations in mind right here that I go to in Las Vegas. One, I walk in, and they say nothing to me until I begin the conversation. I walk up and I say, 20 bucks on number 10, please. Right. Anything else? Uh, no, that's all. Have a good one. Right. Okay. Now, I didn't go right. in there with no. high expectations, but certainly they did nothing to, you know, jumpstart my day, right? Then I go to Correct. another gas station, not right after that, another time, another day, and I walk in. And the person says, good morning, how you doing today? I said, oh, pretty good. And I walk up to the counter, and she uses, now in my training, I say not to use these phrases, but sometimes people can get away with it. Maybe the guy said, how you doing, sweetie? You want to get any kind of, uh, you know, gum, candy, anything else with that? No, just this. Okay, well, you be good, you be well, you be safe out there, and we'll see you again. I said, oh, wow. This is a gas station. Yeah. Now, how long did that take? Same amount of time. But that yeah. person is injecting positivity. So it's called an emotional journey. There's what's called an emotional set point. Every time a person starts on this emotional journey, they have what's called an emotional set point, which is their starting point. So certainly, when, and it may be about expectations. Like if I'm going out to dinner, I'm going to have a different emotional set point, right, than when I walk into a gas station. When I walk into a gas station, my emotional set point is probably just going to be whatever mood I'm in, right? I don't have any great expectations. Right. I'm not expecting any great experience. 
But if my emotional set point is, well, I'm happy and, you know, I'm just my normal happy self, you know, not too high, not too low. But now with that interject, interaction with that second gas station attendant, all of a sudden, boom, I got a shot, a little injection of positivity and even a little bit of a surprise, like, wow, that's pretty cool. And you know that that person is going to have a great day, not just me, the customer, with that gas station attendant. Now you go back to that other person, the first person at the gas station, anything else? All right, have a good one. Like, uh-huh. you imagine that person is going to be doing that for the next six, seven, eight, ten hours. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine how their day is going to be? Now, uh, when a person I'm, I'm, is I'm in- feeling it already, Christoph. <laughs> you, 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 can, you can probably hear the change in my voice because my forehead is pressed up against my microphone. <laughs> so, now that's a short interaction. But we all do business with all different types of entities, right? So if I'm going out for dinner, maybe it's going to be an hour and a half, two hours long. Maybe um, if I'm dealing with uh, purchasing a house or planning a wedding, then that emotional journey is going to be ongoing, right? And the question always is that I ask, what or how are you making your customers feel? If they walk into your place of business or they engage you and they're at a certain emotional set point, but then they leave and their emotional set point is lower than it was when they walked in, well, then there's something wrong. That's what right. – and, and then the word touch points is all along that journey. So I'll give you an example. Here's the example. My wife and I are going out for dinner. Instead of driving, I say, you know what, let's take a lift, Uber or Lyft, right? So uh-huh. we, order, we order a lift. We get the message, your driver's here. We're dressed up because we're going out. We're going to go to some fancy restaurant down on the strip. We're celebrating something, maybe our anniversary, maybe a new, uh, you know, a new client, whatever it is. But we're excited. We're going to celebrate. So we have an emotional set point, and we're, you know, in a romantic mood too, right? So our emotional set point is one of, of high expectation, you know, positivity, romance, et cetera. We walk out to the car, and the gentleman actually gets out of the car and opens the door for my wife. Says, good evening. Wow, you two look great. Why do you think that makes us feel, right? So we get in the car. It's a short drive, 15 minutes or so. And along the way, instead of just blasting the music, the driver starts engaging us in conversation. Says, well, you both are dressed really nice. Are you celebrating something tonight? And so we start talking. And... There's engagement back and forth. Then we go, and so how was that drive compared to, you know, what might be more commonplace, just, you know, no conversation sometimes. I think we've all maybe been in a, an Uber or Lyft, a taxi, and there's no conversation except uh, we're going to this place. Okay, great. And there's no – now, it didn't negatively affect us, but it certainly didn't do anything to increase or up-level it, right? Then we get to the right. restaurant. We walk up to the door. And same thing, all of a sudden, we got two uh, young ladies, two hostesses, that each open up the the glass doors in front of us and say, hi, welcome, good evening. Wow, hey, we chose the right place for dinner tonight. This is awesome. Then we walk up to the host stand, and the hostess is looking down and doesn't look up for 38 seconds. Now, we could spend 38 seconds in silence here on on the podcast, and we'll know that that is not good. 
38 seconds. And then finally, the hostess looks up and says, name? I go, name? Did you see how we're dressed? Don't you know we're here for a great night? We are all upbeat. (laughs) Hey, what about good evening? Welcome to ABC Bistro. Have you been in before? Uh, Do you have a reservation? But instead, we just get name. You want me to just shout out a name? You want to know my name? You want like what? Yeah. <laughs> so I, 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 I get the part that they deal with a hundred people and they're not just going to know Christoph Wyman and his wife Michelle. That, well, I yes, get that they even, you don't with, expect even, that. But still, they could be even with my head on. Like, I'm still evening. not recognizable to everybody. Good evening, <laughs> welcome. Yeah, good evening. Glad to have you. Um, right. I see you're here for a reservation. Uh, can I just can I just confirm your name, please? Whatever. Simple, I mean, yeah, they, have to, they have to ask your name. It's just a matter of how they do it. Right. So now here comes other uh, host team members, and they're whispering to each other, talking, checking things, everything. She, she looks up again, and she says, it's going to be 20 minutes. Now, we are right on time for our reservation. Okay, it's going to be 20 minutes. And uh, then we stand there, and we wait, and we wait. And then finally a manager comes over and says, Wyman, that's my last name, yes, follow me. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Oh, follow me. He seats us, and I'm thinking, wow, this is is interesting. We started off off high, we went higher, and then we kind of were going down, we're going. And then when we get to the table, all of a sudden a server assistant comes over and says the same thing that the Lyft driver said. Wow, you two are looking good tonight, dressed nice. What are you celebrating? And I go, oh. He says, my name's Jose. I'm going to be assisting uh, John, who's your server. Can I get you some water? You know what? This is going to be good. So the point is, yeah. each one of those is, and it keeps going on and on, right? Each one of those is called a touch point. And every touch right. point is an interaction, an opportunity for someone to have a, hopefully a positive, to have an effect, an impact upon the customer. And at any one time, one person is the representation of the business. And I use the restaurant as an example, not only because I've worked in restaurants, but because we all know, we all understand. If I, if I gave you an example about, you know, buying insurance, well, or, or, or whatever, or going fishing, maybe we haven't all done that, right? But we all can understand examples, good, bad, mediocre, and excellent from the restaurant world. So it's an emotional journey. How are you affecting or what are you doing to impact your customer's feeling? Listen, what do, what do customers want? Do you know what customers want? What do they want? Whether I'm going to a restaurant for dinner, staying at a hotel on vacation, or going to an urgent care center for a checkup, I as a customer have certain expectations of that experience. I, as your customer, have expectations of how I should be treated and engaged. I want to be treated as a human being and not merely as a transaction. I want to be acknowledged Uh and shown respect. This is not I, Christoph Wyman. This is everybody. I want the service I'm paying for to be delivered with some enthusiasm and care. I want the service I'm paying for to be a certain level of quality. I'm not an account. I'm not a case. I'm not a file or a policy number. I'm not a transcrap transcription. I'm not a transaction. 
I'm not a subscriber. I'm your customer. I'm your client. I'm your patient. I'm your guest. I chose your place of business out of all the possible options available to me. I would like you to appreciate me as a person and not just thank me for my business. I would like yeah. you to introduce yourself to me. I would like you to smile sincerely and show warmth. I'm here to experience the specific service that you provide, whether I'm getting my car's oil changed or I'm traveling on your airline, whether I'm purchasing a $1,000 suit or I'm ordering a cup of coffee. I'm your customer. I'm spending right. my hard-earned money with you. I'm showing support and appreciation and valuing your business. I want to feel that you acknowledge, appreciate, and value me as your customer in return. Right. That's what customers want, in my opinion, my humble opinion. Yeah, yeah, precisely. Um, and, you know, I could tell stories of horrible customer service. I mean, I, I, I could tell a couple of stories that would raise your hair. I mean, it's that, it's that bad. But you know what? You know what? I'm not going to give them the space because no, I don't want to celebrate no. that today. I'm, uh, I'm, I want to celebrate what people are doing right and the way we need to do it. And maybe you and I can share those stories another time. But for right now, let's stick with you. And uh, let's see. What, what else do we have to cover here? Okay, here's a good one. Is it possible to train or teach customer service excellence? I mean, some would say that that should just come naturally if somebody's doing their job. I believe 100% it's something that is learned, that is taught, that is trained. It doesn't mean that, you know, can you train Kindness, I don't believe so. Can you train uh, passion? No, but I believe that I say passion cannot be taught nor bought, but I believe it can be caught. You know, if you're working right. around somebody that has a passion for some, something that you are interested in, well, there has to be a spark somewhere, right? And as we follow and emulate and model other people, then, yes, passion can grow. Passion can be caught. But in terms, I mean, this is what I do is I do training, right? And I, I think there is this misconception that if I'm doing my job well, then automatically that should translate into five-star customer service. But, again, it's, it's not really the case. I'll give you an example. Let's say, let's say I'm an auto mechanic. People who know me, God knows, I certainly am not. I, I, am, I have no technical, mechanical skills whatsoever. But let's just imagine that I'm an auto mechanic and I am brilliant. I am the best there is. I am so good. And over a period of time, I build up a following, a clientele. People know that I can fix anything on their car, any make, model. I'm the best there is. After a certain amount of time, people start saying, you know what, Christoph, why don't you open your own shop? Why? Well, because you're so good at it. I know, but I'm, I'm an auto mechanic. Well, open your own place. So I decide to go into business on my own. Now, just because I'm brilliant as an auto mechanic, does that mean that I know how to deliver five-star service on the phone when people call or when people no. walk up to my counter or how, I, how my staff, if I just hire a bunch of people, like, okay, well, I need a couple of receptionists, I need a few accountants, I need some service advisors. Just because I hire them and I'm the best mechanic in town and I give great service on what I do on their vehicle, 
it doesn't mean that it's going to translate into customer service excellence. Now, if I have a great passion, which I probably do because I'm so good at what I do and I'm using the gifts and talents I've been given, then yes, I think that that passion is going to exude, but it, it, it doesn't, it's not a sign of weakness to ask for help to be trained. I equate Service professionals, and again, I, I think everybody's a service professional. If you're dealing with customers and clients, you are a service professional in some form or fashion. I say service professionals are no different than athletes, actors, musicians, meaning that they have their raw talent, but they still have coaches. They still have trainers, right? I mean, professional athletes get paid millions of dollars for what they do, and yet they still hire somebody to teach them, to coach them, to help them hone their skills. How about for us who aren't making millions of dollars maybe at our craft yet? And so, yes, I mean, I am so passionate about the importance of service and service training. And, you know, Oftentimes an owner might say, well, why would I hire somebody to come in and train my people? I have my managers. Well, because your manager's uh, skill set, your manager's uh, job description, your manager's focus is not training. Your manager's focus is to run the operation of your business. Would you agree? I'm with you a thousand percent. Yes. So to me, training training has to be as important – the budget for marketing and advertising should not exceed the budget for training. Yeah, and we see that we see that all the time. I used to work in a training department. I worked in a training department for three years, actually, and uh, I can tell you the disparity between the amount that was spent on uh, attempting to acquire new customers versus giving the team and the staff the support and the tools to keep the customers they had. It's just it's just amazing. It's like I equate it to buying a mop every time you mop your kitchen floor instead of just wringing out the mop and using it again. <laughs> Good example. And just think about that. Listen, I am in, I am a fan of, and I uh, spend a lot of money myself on advertising and marketing. It is super right. important. But if what your company is delivering is substandard, subpar, not the best it can be, then what you're doing is perpetuating bringing in new customers to experience not quality service instead of right. investing in both. Let's keep that marketing and advertising going so you're bringing in new customers, but get to a point like, and you alluded to this earlier, who should be your best um, advertisers? Your customers, the people who right. love what you do. Imagine if your business was booming so much so because the experience that your customers get with your place of business, with your service, was above and beyond anything that they could get at any other competitor. They're going to be raving about it, right? They're going to be telling people, and they don't get paid, right? They just come back and say, oh, you know what? Hey, I'm going to bring three more people in next time because I love your place of business. Or I'm gonna. I love what you did for my website, or I love what you. Whatever it is, right. whatever you, business it is, I'm sending you more people because it also makes yeah. me feel good and look good too. If I tell my friends about a great business that served me well, well, heck, I want my my friends and my family members 
to get the same experience also, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, th- you bring up something, too, that I'm, I'm thinking about, and I see this a lot with uh, some of the clients I consult with, is they'll launch products, they'll launch services and programs, and what comes up is, uh, but we're not getting any... We're not getting any new traffic. We're not getting any new people. We're going to offer this, and it's going to be the same damn people buying again. So basically what's implied there is an either-or statement. You either offer something to the people you already have, or you focus on getting new people in, and somehow it's a problem because you're going to offer something, and your same people are just going to walk up and snap it up again. Okay, that should be an and. Because as, as, I, as I would say to anybody, and I have said many times, read, read, read back what you said. It's the same people buying every time, and they're just going to be the ones to buy it again. Yeah, they're going to be the ones to buy it again. So you absolutely right. want to keep them in a buying frame, in an investing frame, lengthening the lifetime value of that customer, rendering the service and the love that they desire and deserve for taking the time to have confidence with you and invest with you. That does not preclude, set aside, or exclude at the same time attracting new tribe members who will now become your buyers. So if this off, if this particular offer seems to be geared more towards your veterans, hey, you know what? It's for your veterans. Make another one for new people. I agree. Absolutely. And, and I mean, that's great. If you have the same clients coming back to you over and over again, I mean, serve them better. Serve them more. Give them something special because clearly they do feel, you said the word confidence, so they do feel confident with you. They do appreciate what you are doing, how you are serving them, how you are, you know, the value, the content, whatever it is that you are providing for them. And they feel a part of something, right? They feel yeah. a part of, you use the word tribe, they, you know, and you think of companies like Starbucks, you know, who have built a following. You know, there are people who will not go buy coffee unless they can go to that particular, uh, you know, to, to a Starbucks, right? It, right? You know, they seek it out in every city they go to. So certainly there's value in building that following. Uh, but again, training, super important, should go hand in hand with marketing and advertising, and they shouldn't be at odds. It's interesting. It's like uh, in most companies, there is a sales department and a service department, and people will say things like uh, they're fielding a call. Oh, well, that's for sales. Okay, I understand you're not the salesperson, but yet if you are in that company, you are in sales because you're representing the business. The accountant is in sales. Everybody is in sales. Conversely, a salesperson would say, oh, that's for service. I'm not in service. Well, if you're not in service, how in the heck are you selling? Because a lot of people think that customer service is what happens after the sale. And, yes, that's a component, you know, fielding calls, giving more information, answering complaints, et cetera. But I say that it's actually the customer service, the customer experience that will determine if there is a sale or not. Because if the customer does not feel appreciated, valued, uh, don't have confidence that what you're offering is, is what they're looking for, then it doesn't matter what the product is, doesn't matter what the uh, price is. If they don't have the right feeling, 
which comes from customer experience, customer service, then the sale is gone. So we need to get to a point where more companies merge sales and service, at least in the mindset and the attitude. Yes, there's differentiation and of, of skill set, but the two should be more intertwined instead of separated. Right. And speaking of intertwining rather than separated, one of the things that's been very exciting in the marketplace over the past few years is the emergence of social media groups, discussion groups, as a way of growing your business. And there's so many strategies around how you can use that to do launches, to nurture customer relationships. And a phrase that I've heard more than once is, you know, I'll set up this group and, and like 20% of the people are going to be my existing customers and the rest of them are going to be a bunch of freeloaders who haven't bought. I said, ah, two challenges, pause. Number one, number one, you just accurately described the 80-20 role. Congratulations, you understand it perfectly. And there might be three here. Let me see. Number number two, they're not freeloaders. They're prospects in the process of making their decision to invest in you who need your support to make the decision that will make the most sense for them. Number three, I want my best, most enthusiastic customers in the same room as my prospects because they are more likely to believe in my greatness if one of my customers says it than if I say it. So I want them talking among themselves. So actually, I did come up with three things. So it's just a matter of reframing sometimes and looking at what you have right in front of you and applying a different truth to a set of facts not in dispute. Uh, with, without a doubt, absolutely. And, and again, who are your best marketers? The people who love your service and product, who love what you do <clears throat> and who have been paying. They're paying you. They're paying you. And they're telling other people. I mean, you can't you you can't beat it. That's the ideal situation, correct? Correct. Yeah, and that's one of the <laughs> things I think is beautiful about the groups is that you can create that dynamic. So we're getting near the top of the hour here. We have about six minutes left, and sure. I know that normally I leave just a second at the end for this for our guests, but I know that you um, have a different phraseology around this. So normally I'll typically ask, uh, you know, how do you serve our business creators, and I want you to answer that too. But here's, a, here's a, I think, a great way to wrap up. So, Christoph, what are two values that one would receive by either reading the customer experience, which is your book, or better yet, from working with you? Well, that is a very good question. And I'm glad that you asked it. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, so I shall answer it. And I'm going to answer it by, by doing this. I'm going to invite us to... Kind of step back and maybe even close your eyes and imagine. So instead of me just giving an answer, I'd like to share this. Can you imagine how it would be if your customers were your loyal raving fans and they loved the way you served them? And because of that, they constantly tell others about your amazing team, your service, your product. Imagine how that would feel. Imagine how that would be. And consider if you actually had the perfect team. You had the right team that was in sync, right attitude, mindset, heart set, mentality, teamwork. And that team was consistently delivering that amazing customer experience that you desire for your clientele. 
and your customers were appreciative, valued customers. So imagine what that would be like. And then finally, imagine if your business was booming. I mean, boom. I know it's growing well now. I know it's growing. I know it's doing great. But imagine if it was exploding above and beyond what it currently is. And because of the service that your team and you deliver to your clientele, that they could not even imagine going to any other competitor, any other business in your industry because of the way that your team makes them feel when they do business with you. So if you can imagine those things that will tell you the value that a business, an organization, a company, an entity, an individual would receive from either reading my book, The Customer Experience, and hopefully, better yet, engaging me to come and inspire, motivate, and train your team. That's what I would say I have to offer. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. So somebody on the edge of their seat wanting to discover more about this for themselves, uh, how do they get in touch? Christoph, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-F-F, 360.com. When you oh, yeah, one that, of those things. I love that thing. Yeah, tell us about it. You will find almost everything that you – everything about me, all my social media pages, my website, my blog, my direct contact information, my email, my phone number, every single way that you would like to search me out, find out, read some of my articles, uh, watch videos – that is the best way to contact me. It's much easier than reading uh, off my regular website because my regular website is within there. So it's Christoph, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-F-F, like Frank, the number three, the number six, the number zero, dot com, Christoph360.com. Oh, fantastic. So this is great. Uh, this has been a fantastic time together. So, Christoph Wyman, I want to thank you so much for being with us here today. It's been an honor and an education. I love it. I'm so excited, and uh, you are doing amazing, amazing things, Adam, every single week, and you've been doing this for a long time, just serving business creators. So God bless you for using your gifts and talents to the highest ability and uh, what a pleasure to be on the show with you today. Coming from you, that's quite an honor. So thank you very much for saying that. All right, everybody, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also check us out on networks like iTunes, Google Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, Spotify, and many more. We help you win at the game of business and marketing so you thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.